Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and Keith back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Hey, Keith, good to catch up once again. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've recovered. I've recovered. I think we've all recovered. I don't. I think we we do a pretty good job of managing our expectations. So disappointing to be sure, but you turn the page. Honestly, we'll turn the page completely tonight. But as you look back at it, Florida State, and we discussed this in our in our immediate uh, aftermath show. Uh, I, I think it's obvious that they have some key guys missing, and it's also obvious that Wake Forest is a pretty good football program and team. And it seems strange to say that, that, that that's where Florida State is aspiring to get to. When you have key guys out, you can still find a way to win. Wake was missing its best corner at starting tight end. They had solid play at quarterback. They still won on the road. That's what FSU needs to get to. But I'm, I'm not overly discouraged. I, I certainly was disappointed. I think it just continues to reflect what we've said, although we've not believed, is that Florida State was in a very deep, deep hole when Coach Norvell assumed command, and it's going to take a while. It is not going to be a quick fix. And it also illustrates that when you have a consistent quarterback and you have a program built on principles, which Florida State has both, but they're just not as far along as Wake Forest is, you can be a program of significance. FSU's just got a little more work to do. No question. So uh, you realize Sam Hartman, even though he's been there since FSU joined the ACC in 1992, Correct. Uh, still, has one more, still has one more year of eligibility. You are aware of this, right? I'm aware because you've made me aware and consistently reminded me about it, and I've had nightmares since. Well, you're welcome. So I realized that hopefully the NFL can come calling. But a thought occurred to me at some point on Sunday, right? And, and that thought was this, Keith. We've been playing this division football for however many years in the ACC. So you play Wake Forest every year. And it occurred to me that the ACC has a new scheduling model starting next year, which means that there's no more divisions. And I thought maybe by the grace of the football gods, might Wake Forest be off the schedule next year for FSU in 2023? And well, guess what Guess what the answer to that thought is? Is? No. They are oh, on the schedule. Oh, oh. They are on the schedule. And, of course, in 24, when Sam Hartman will no longer have eligibility and Wake Forest will be back in Tallahassee, I think, 
they are off the schedule had that been on it, right? So we don't play them in 2024. We have no luck. We have no luck. Let's pull for Hartman going to the NFL. Uh, yeah, just for the record, since I opened that next year, uh, FSU, uh, this will be interesting. I, I don't, we don't need to do, do a show on the change schedule, but next year, instead of playing the Atlantic divisions plus Miami and one crossover, FSU plays Duke, Miami, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech at home, Boston College, Clemson, Pitt, and Wake Forest on the road. So you get another trip to Pitt coming up next year. But anyway, the, the main point of that, Keith, is I really was. Please, fingers crossed, is Wake Forest not on the schedule next year? Nope, they're on the schedule. They're on the schedule. Well, remember way back in the day, you hated playing Wake Forest because they had the alleged blocking issues on their offensive line about going low and people getting hurt and all the things associated with that. And now they've got the slow mesh, which I kid you not. Well, and anybody, they used to have the anybody who has watched that, they have never seen the slow mesh run as slow as Wake Forest ran it against Florida State on Saturday. They also had the field issues before they changed the turf there that Florida State, every time they went to Winston-Salem, whether it was the blocks or the field, people would get hurt. I'm sort of surprised. It feels like the next evolution of this slow mesh, which already looks like a rugby scrum a little bit, why don't they just bring another back in there so there's one on either side of Hartman and you really have no idea who's going to get – just add one more option to the mix. Tommy, you, you've, you've drunk too much Kool-Aid. You need to come back to the force. It's, it's not Kool-Aid I'm drinking tonight as we record this, Keith, but I, I appreciate your sentiment. Um, it, it is a bit amber in hue, but it's, it's not a Kool-Aid. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else we need to do to put that Wake Forest game to bed? Do we just turn the page? I should point out that uh, our Osceola insider will join us here coming up in just a little bit as we continue to talk football. Well, I think we need to reminisce and remember what we said at the tail end of our after game show. If you had asked us on July 1st, would you have been happy with Florida State being four and one after five games in the 2022 season? We would have all said without question, yes, we would be happy with that. So we need to remember the balance associated with what is college football. Would you be happy if I told you before the season that Florida State was going to be four and three after seven games? Marginally, but not necessarily happy. But unfortunately, that is a very real possibility. And I will tell you right now, Florida State will be four and three or they will be six and one. I don't see anything in between over the next two weeks. What do you think? In other words, you're saying if they somehow win this game, against NC State, the place will be so electric for a night game against Clemson that Florida State would come back and win both of them. That's my prediction. And if they lose to NC State, they will also lose to Clemson and we'll be staring at four and three. So NC State, you brought up the other day, a lot of Thursday night games mixed in there. Oh, my goodness. You and I called the Thursday night game in 2010, Jimbo's first year, when Florida State went right down the field as time was expiring to win the game until Christian Ponder's handoff to Ty Jones didn't go so well, and NC State recovered on the three or something like that, and that ended the game, right? Correct. But they're also, uh, mercifully, my daughter was born in 2008, around the time of the uh, FSU at NC State game, which was one of those Thursday night games. That 06, 08, 10 period, 06 and 08, 
there were some games in there where there were 16 combined punts and the final score was like 17 to 10. Just got defensive off struggles, game. defensive struggles. That's true. That's how we characterize them. Yes. They, they were offensive nightmares is what they were, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So, I mean, you can go back. I, I, the most surprising one, this is a happy start to the show, Keith. This is what you get when you get a couple old guys doing the show. I think the most surprising one, of course, the one FSU fans uh, hate the most is the 2012 game where Florida State squandered a 16-0 lead and lost that game to Mike Lennon and the Wolfpack. Yep. But the 1997 game is the one nobody saw coming up there when Torrey Holt returned a kick. And the next thing you know, Chris Winkie's throwing six interceptions and it's 24-7 and FSU has its second ever ACC loss. That one, I and, think, and, was the biggest shocker. And since then, honestly, it's been – Amato went up there. It's been fairly even. I don't have the numbers. Yep, since then. But but think about it. Six picks in one game for a guy that would go on to win the Heisman Trophy. I remember him coming back and saying – this was pre-social media, of course, but he had 53 messages on his voicemail telling him what he could do, more or less. But imagine social media and all that if that was the case now. But you're right, and he did go on to win the Heisman. So anyway, those are. let's talk about happier memories at NC State, Keith. So in 2014, Florida State fell way behind, but Jameis rallied the Knowles to win in Raleigh. There was a game maybe 2018 where Nooney Murray was the hero. Think about Mm -hmm. that. He had seven Mm -hmm. or eight catches, and Florida State won a game late up there. Uh, the distinguishing boy, factor of all those, Tommy, is they were not – Florida State's wins were not on a Thursday night. Yeah, well, this game is not on a Thursday night. So exactly. We'll take, we'll take that as a win. However, it is at night, and I can hear the wolf howling already, and I'm not even at Carter-Finley Stadium. Is the fair right, in town? Is it time for the county fair or the city fair or the state fair or whatever goes state, on up it's there? It's the state fair, and I'm sure it's in town. It's always in town when we go up there every two years. Oh, my uh, goodness. It'll be going on. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back and, and talk a little more X's and O's. We'll get our Osceola Insider dialed up. And, uh, well, maybe we'll move to some happier thoughts and we'll move this conversation forward instead of reminiscing on what not, – not all those were happy memories, Keith. We're just getting started. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck when a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy, we'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Fall is in the air, football season's here, and your best deals are still at Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Whether you're tailgating at the game or taking a trip, we got what you need. With new vehicles rolling in daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Looking for a truck? How about the RST or the Trailblazer, LTZ, High Country, or the ZR2? We've always got the right truck for you. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. 
Back on Front Row Knowles, as promised, our Osceola insider is here as Bob Ferrante joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Bob, uh, we do need to turn the page, but Keith and I just reminisced about all the fun road trips we've had to Raleigh, and most of the memories, unfortunately, Florida State was on the wrong end of the scoreboard. So please uh, take us down memory lane with some happier times from trips to Raleigh. The barbecue's good. I mean, barbecue's those are the, happy, good. Yeah. the happier times are the barbecue discussions at the pit. Um, yeah, I, I realized a few days ago that uh, the 2012 game is actually 10 years old. And, and that was a not so fun night to uh, to witness live and cover live and and, and report the, the fun that was. Um, yeah, anything with a Raleigh dateline on it has just not been been great for Florida State. So hopefully... Mike Norvell and the guys have a little bit better better time this this Saturday night. Hey, all I said was that at least it's not a Thursday night because those were the worst. Oh boy, yeah, the Thursday night games, the um, the Christian Ponder, what was it, handoff that was our lack thereof that that hit I think Ty Jones as the fullback. Yep. There there have been some just wild wild games, and um, you, you can't write this kind of stuff. These these kind of crazy finishes yeah that's enough that's enough of that well I, one story that Keith's heard from the 2012 game Bob so when we do the post-game radio interviews in the locker room usually the the connection is somewhere in the middle of the locker room it, it's the visitor's locker room is always a mess it's always tiny it's never ideal well at NC State the drop was in the visiting coach's locker room so I did post-game interviews with players in the visiting coach's locker room, which is literally Jimbo and Stoops and whoever else was on his staff in 2012. Nobody is saying a word because they just squandered a 16-zip lead, and I'm trying to be the loud radio guy doing interviews. So that was one of the more memorable uh, occasions in my uh, illustrious broadcasting career, Bob. Uh, oh, I, feared, anyway. I feared everybody would be cussing in the room that night, but, but quiet instead, huh? No, you remember when remember when uh, the quietest locker room I've ever been in back when Bobby's locker rooms were open was actually the first ACC loss at Virginia. Daryl Bush, Todd Rebol, those guys are on the team. And after that loss in Charlottesville, I mean, I went in there and you thought you were in church. There's you've never seen 65 guys or whatever the travel roster was be that quiet in a locker room is what that one was. All right, we've not, I've not evolved or advanced this conversation. We're just, we're going the wrong way on this. So let's spin this, Bob. Let's talk about how FSU wins the game this week uh, and, and view it as an opportunity. They're the underdog. Really, this year, if, if you look at preseason prognostications, much more about NC State maybe could win the Atlantic. Nobody was talking about FSU being in any kind of race. So to me, this is the, the really, it's on Devin Leary and NC State. That's a start. Is it, am I selling you on it? <laughs> I think if you're looking for weaknesses in NC State, the, the supporting cast around Devin Leary could be better. He's got a good receiver in, in Thayer Thomas, um, not a ton around, and it's not the, the most talented offense. Um, I think on defense, they play kind of that funky, you know, 3-3-5 where tough to run on it, tough to throw deep. You almost have to kind of throw to the edges, throw short. Uh, kind of dink and dunk you, you down the field. There is a formula for Florida State to win this game. I would say it's not playing to your strength, which is uh, your identity of, of a running team. You have to mix it up. You have to screen. You have to throw, be very efficient, 
control the time of possession, which you didn't do against Wake Forest. And, and then I think defensively, you, you've just got to hope, honestly, Devin Leary doesn't have a great night, uh, put some pressure on him and, and force a couple of takeaways. I do think there's a, there's a roadmap to a win here. It just, it, it feels like a lot of things really have to go right for Florida State, but a loss has your attention, I, I think. Um, if anything can be positive coming out of this, these guys understand what they did wrong. There were opportunities there against Wake Forest, and, and now they truly see it, what you can do going on the road against Raleigh, against NC State and Raleigh. I think, too, Todd, Tom and, and, and Bob, the thing that encourages me, at least on the defensive side of the ball, is unlike the, 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 the mesh offense, the slow mesh offense that Wake runs, NC State is more traditional. So that's the defense that is used to seeing Florida State's offense, which is more traditional. And while they're very, very effective and they're very, very good, schematically, it is something that Florida State's defense is, defense is used to seeing. And I like our chances against that type of offense. What do you think? Yeah, I think if you put stock in the ability to, to put some pressure off the edge, uh, Jared versus is going to see more reps than say 24 snaps. What he saw against Wake Forest, Patrick Payton's been emerging these last couple of weeks as a really nice edge rusher. Um, we're seeing what Dennis Briggs can do. We're seeing a lot of different guys contributing across the defensive front. Big question mark. Do you get Fabian Lovett back this week? Is it another week? Is it after the bye week? Very questionable his whole timetable, but yes, Devin is more of a, traditional pocket guy. And I think that's very much a benefit for Florida State after seeing Jaden Daniels, Malik Cunningham, and, and yes, Phil Jerkovich was, was more of a pocket guy, but then you go immediately back to Sam Hartman and that kind of funky uh, slow mesh. So yeah, you kind of don't have to look for as much, um, you know, whether it's that modified RPO that, that truly is a slow mesh. It's more of a, is he going to drop off? Who's he going to throw to? Or are they going to run it? One thing they've done with this offense, though, Keith, it, it's a lot of short, quick passes that make it tougher to get to the quarterback. And this was even before Leary. It's really since their coach has been there. And so I, I was looking at last year's stats. And just like Wake Forest, they were 50% or so or maybe better on third down conversions because they're ahead of the chains all the time. And that that is death by a thousand paper cuts when you watch a team just go three yards, four yards, four yards, four yards. And that's what it felt like last week was until the last drive when they'd go one yard, one yard, 12 yards. And that was even more annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and Florida State's got to be better on third downs too. Like, like you're saying, you're, you're going to face third down quite a bit. I, I thought Florida State did a good job against um, what LSU, decent against Louisville, um, really, really well against Boston College. But if you're not going to get teams off the field on third down and if Dave Doran feels like he can make those fourth and ones, they're going to go for it. You know, Clawson and Wake Forest went for it three times on fourth down, extended drives, and, and that's that's what gets you, you know, like you're saying, Tom, those long drives, uh, eating the clock, eating the possession. It, it keeps Florida State on the sideline, and Mike Norvell lamented, I think, a couple of times on Monday, you know, we only had 10 possessions. We only had 10 possessions, and I, I kind of nodded my head, but part of me was saying, if your defense got a couple more stops, third and fourth downs, you don't make it a, a 10 possession game. You get a, a few extra at-bats to, to put some points across. 
And the you know, other aspect of it, though, forgive me, Tom, when you're going up against tradition, you know, what you're used to seeing, the normal, it's much more comfortable to dial up pressure. And I think we can agree that when this Florida State's defense is comfortable bringing pressure, they've been relatively successful. They just haven't been in a position down and distance wise to bring pressure as much as they would want to. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and hopefully they can affect the quarterback. What I was going to say, Bob, to your point about 10 possessions, Keith and I didn't talk about that in our, our show on Sunday, but I, I, I guess it occurred to me like during the game or even after the fact that it felt a lot like it's different, but it felt like playing Georgia tech when Paul Johnson was there and because in those games, you'd get eight possessions and every Georgia Tech drive, even if they punted, was going to use up nine and a half minutes. If you didn't score on a drive, it just magnified the pressure on the next drive. And I really think that's what happened uh, as much as anything to FSU's offense in the first half. They got the lead, but then as soon as they went three and out and Wake came back and tied it, it put more pressure on the next drive. They didn't do anything, put more pressure on the next one. They fumbled. And it just kind of snowballed, and then they regrouped at half. I don't know. I mean, I realized that Paul Johnson would would milk every second of the play clock, and Wake goes tempo at times, so it's a little different. But it, it feel like this felt like the same result. Agree? Yeah, I disagree? There, I, I agree. I think there were some at, <clears throat> there were some at bats, there were some opportunities. You know, Trey Benson's return to near midfield. Of course, it had the ball near midfield enough times, had some chances, just fell short of putting together some good drives. No question. All right, more front row knolls right after this. Loading the kids in the car, brokering peace in the back seat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at TryMyBank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Back on Front Row Knowles. Okay, we're talking NC State. We're uh, chatting with our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. And, Bob, there's an awful lot of tape out on, on Jordan Travis. And even though Jordan's been around a while, I don't think he's played NC State at this point because last year he was sick and Milton got the start. Matter of fact, last year's game, if you remember, it was the week where I, I just looked it up. 25 guys on FSU's team missed at least one practice. I don't remember how many missed the game. Jordan did. Uh, but anyway, and the year before – uh, Chubba Purdy got the start in Raleigh. So I throw that out there just to say, even though they've seen plenty of tape, it feels like Jordan Travis, if he's playing like he did the first four games, that might be FSU's best answer to how you get a win in Raleigh. Yeah, I think, 
I, I'm not sure how to view it. it. It's a good way to to kind of throw it out there. I think defenses and coaches know what's coming at them with Jordan Travis. The coaching staff has has either limited Jordan's running or Jordan by design doesn't want to run as much because he really wants to showcase himself as a passer. I think that's been a storyline of his since we saw him at ACC kickoff in July. I'm, I'm a quarterback. I'm a passer. I'm a leader. I think he wants to run only as a last resort. But you know what? Every now and then, he's going to have to sneak in a run. He's going to have to slide. Now he doesn't need to take these hits. But if he if he snuck in a little bit of a running game every now and then, I think it would be a wrinkle that could catch NC State off guard. Um, yeah, I, I I think I think we've seen Jordan at his very best. I don't think we saw Jordan at his very best against Wake Forest. That competitive nature of him is going to motivate him to come out and and be a little bit more focused, be a little bit more precise. Um, he's very comfortable in road environments. We've seen that. There might be some other guys who have never been to Raleigh. Uh, a lot of transfers on this roster on offense. They're not going to be used to the crowd noise. They're not going to be used to the bench and the sideline in Raleigh that is extremely tight between the field and the fans. That's going to take some time for some guys to get adjusted to. I, I think Jordan's the, the kind of leader and, and guy who can kind of help them get settled in for those those tense moments. Bob, the thing that impressed me with Jordan was, as it relates to his post-game press conference, uh, Tom and I talked about this in our post-game show on Sunday. Jordan was very emphatic, not that he was going to intentionally not ask, answer the question that was asked, but very emphatic in saying, this is on us. We have to correct this, and we will. I was impressed by that. That might not be the best media and best for uh, reporters, but it showed me that there was a there was an understanding that he didn't play as well as he has played, and he can do better. I think it it shows maturity and leadership and growth, and I, I think we we want players to take ownership, and sometimes the coaches get too much of the credit and the blame in general because they had a great game plan, they had a great. Um, scheme or setup or whatnot but in the end the players have to go out there and do it and and the the players are only as good as how they're executing a plan out how, how much they're learning from the coaches it, it wasn't the best game quite often around jordan travis especially with the offensive line but there's so many injuries right there that i i don't know if jordan had enough opportunities to get comfortable to settle in to really make a couple extra reads, you know, say go to that second or third read. It felt like the pressure was there quite a bit. And, and he didn't have that comfort of Robert Scott's to the left. It was Darius Washington instead. And yeah, Darius has experience, but Darius hasn't been that left tackle of late. I, I like that Jordan said something like that because it, it's, it's putting that ownership and investment back on the players. And I, I think Mike Norvell probably watches that or hears about it and smiles because that's that's what he wants to hear. Bob, I looked up FSU starting OL against NC State last year. And uh, Robert Scott Jr. and Darius Washington both started along with Devontae Love-Taylor, Brady Scott, and Maurice Smith. So that was the five FSU ran out there a year ago against them. I don't know if they'll have Robert Scott Jr. back, but they'll have Maurice Smith and Darius Washington in there. Um, 
the thing we haven't brought up, and I, I was looking it up. I don't know if you guys will be able to hear this. Give it just a second. Let's see. Oh, it's bad radio. I tried to find the NC State Wolf Howl, which plays every three seconds. Oh, Keith knows that. Every three, every, I mean, I don't even know. It's, it's, it's literally like there's a break in the action. Let's play the Wolf Howl. Is that going on at the indoor practice facility this week? Is it, oh. We have not heard the Wolf Howl. We have, we have heard the loud music uh, at practice. And it, it, is, it is tough to focus or talk to the person next to you. But the players... I think they they seem to like that. That's what they are used to and get acclimated to when they know that they're going on the road. No wolf house, though, guys. No wolf house. That thing is every 20 seconds up there. Tommy, you are a bad, bad man for even bringing that up. I hate that thing. Good gosh, I hate that thing. Now, now everybody, if you if, if when you're watching the game on TV this weekend, you'll hear that thing in the back. That's all you're going to hear the whole game is that that wolf house. Um, all right. What, what, what is Florida state going to do with the kicking situation, Bob? Is Ryan, is Ryan going to kick? Is Norvell going to not kick field goals if the ball is outside the 10 yard line? I don't even know where the, the stop line would be anymore. How's that going to be handled? I think you've, you've got a weird situation where Ryan makes the kicks in practice. The coaches are happy with him. Literally saw Mike Norvell on Tuesday morning standing probably five, six feet away, crouched down, watching him, watching the mechanics, and really intensely focused on every move that he's making as he's, as he's making these kicks, literally attempting at first a 29-yarder, which he missed on Saturday, and then backing up to a 39-yarder. I, I think you're in a tough spot because this is more mental than, than physical. This is mental process, how you set up, how your steps are. And he's just not doing it the same in games as he is, I'm sorry, in games as he does on the practice field. And if this were a hitter in, in baseball, you'd give him a couple of days off. You can't do that with, with a kicker, or, or you might start a kicking controversy, for example. Coaches are in a tough spot, though, overall, I think, because how many head coaches, assistant coaches have in, intense kicking knowledge? We don't see kicking analysts across college football i think college football coaches should think about it bring in nfl kickers put them on staff throw them 50 60 75 grand a year it's a great retirement for nfl kickers because games are decided by these missed kicks the opportunity let's say ryan made that 29 yard field goal against wake forest that's a one possession game instead of a two down the stretch you're playing it totally differently as a play caller, as a team, as an offense, how you drive, what you're doing. I think Ryan is the guy. I know Florida State has options, but I think the coaching staff for the moment seems willing to roll with Ryan, right, wrong, or indifferent. They're going to figure it out. And let's be fair. He missed some kicks. Last week during practice, according to everything I read, he made every kick he attempted. He did not miss a single kick during practice last week. And then he lines up for a 29-yarder and pushes it right. That is what makes middle-aged, viral young men become overweight old coaches in a heartbeat. If I could How do, do an Allen Iverson, if I could do an Allen Iverson impression, Keith, I'd say practice. 
You're talking about practice? <laughs> I'm just saying. It, it's what drives coaches insane, and I understand it. Yeah, and if it drives point, coaches think, insane, why aren't they hiring kicking analysts? Because I, you only have to make one or two kicks every game versus 65 or 70 snaps every game on offense and defense. Your point's well taken, but limited resources, you throw the resources at the plays that you have to make. I think it's because most of these kickers that are on D1 scholarship probably have their own personal kicking coach somewhere. That's also a true statement. They have their own coaches they go to in the summertime, their own clinics, and it's a very specialized thing. I mean, you know you know how that gets in college athletics, Bob, when you want to tweak a, a, a baseball player's swing, but he's got his own personal hitting coach, and sprinters and track are that way. You're trying to change something in the way they come out of the blocks, but they, get, they got their coach telling them something different. Uh, I don't know. But, yes, yeah, certainly in times like this, it feels like if you had a kicking coach there, it might help because it's it's a lonely life on the sideline, even when things are going well for a kicker. But right now, nobody wants to go near Ryan as he's out there, you know. Um, just It just is what it is. We're all hoping it doesn't come down to a kick, right? It's a tough situation. I think even, even John Papucha said on Monday, you know, I talked to Ryan after the game, but then I also wanted to give him the space to kind of process it. And, and, and JP says that, that Ryan's got a good attitude. He comes out the next day. He's back out there kicking. He's trying to focus, trying to work through some things. And it's tough. But, you know, we also had this discussion after the Louisville game when he missed from 36 and 37. And we said, well, at least Florida State wasn't hurt by those two missed field goal attempts. But now when, when the situation is different, and, and they are, I'm not talking about the 55-yard miss. That was a desperation because you're fourth and 20 late against Wake. But when you're in that situation and you've got a 29-yarder, that's one that you've, you've got to expect your kicker to make 99 out of 100 times unless the wind is swirling and you've got bad rain or mud or, or whatnot on the field. Yeah. All right. Other thoughts on this game, Bob? I, looking back at last year's box score, again, it wasn't Jordan, it was Milton, but FSU ran for 38 yards on 27 carries. And this is a good NC State defense. And so I think you're going to have to throw, you're going to have to use the pass, even though they're good against the pass, to set up the run. You can't line up and run the football on this team, in my opinion. I'm with you. I think it's just a unique defense, the 3-3-5. You know, a lot of the coaches just said it's very difficult to run against that. I've been saying since March or April, maybe, that the identity of this team is to run, but it's not the matchup where you're going to be successful running can you try some play action? Can you do a lot of screens? Lawrence Tofili is a wonderful receiver out of the backfield. Get him the ball in some kind of space. It's basically like a, like a run. But you've got to do some things, get a little bit creative, and, and get the ball out there to guys in some kind of space just to extend the chains. And, and I think it's, it's less of an explosive type of game where you can go deep against that kind of nickel defense. You've got to kind of just dink, your, dink and dunk your way down the field to put some points on the board. But, guys, the way you can attack the 3-3-5 is rollouts, waggles, and the quarterback threat of running the ball. Not that he's got to gain 12 or 15 yards, but roll him out, nothing's open, pick up four yards, it's second and six. That is a way you can attack the 3-3-5. To that point, Keith, we've talked about 
about it. Jordan, uh, as a right-handed quarterback, is pretty adept if he rolls out the other way as well, the way he gets his body squared. We, we discussed that one play against LSU. So maybe that is the answer. It, it feels like Jordan has to be the answer to how you're going to move the ball and get productive on offense. They were 2-12 of 12 on third down against NC State last year. Uh, played from behind, obviously, by about two scores. Got it to 21-14, and I, what were they, at midfield and then turned it over on downs or something, and NC State scored the next play or something like that and, and put them away. And the last two years ago in Raleigh, now that was Chubba Purdy, but I seem to recall uh, now that was Norvell's first year, and, and he didn't have much to work with. But Corbin was in the Wildcat a bunch, and it was the game where Norvell went for it on fourth down, I feel like, about six times in that game if memory serves, just because it wasn't going to affect the outcome, but he was trying to instill that, uh, that mentality or that attitude. Well, well, again, if you're, if you, unless you're 10 yards out, you're probably not going to be attempted field goals. So anytime you cross the 35, you're in four down territory. <laughs> All right, Bob, we will, uh, we'll let you roll. Are you making the trip or who you got from the Osceola heading up that way? Pat and Kurt will be enjoying the barbecue on, uh, on a Friday and pregame. Yeah. Okay. All right. I will, I will look for Pat and Kurt. I'll try to keep them out of trouble. Appreciate it, Bob. All right. Take care, guys. Our Osceola Insider back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Fall is in the air. Football season's here, and your best deals are still at Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Whether you're tailgating at the game or taking a trip, we got what you need. With new vehicles rolling in daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Looking for a truck? How about the RST or the Trailblazer, LTZ, High Country, or the ZR2? We've always got the right truck for you. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you, or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles to wrap things up. Thanks to Bob Ferrante uh, as FSU gets set to take on NC State. Keith, what have we not covered about this uh, this matchup this week? Uh, I think we've pretty much identified everything that Florida State needs to do. The one thing that we haven't talked about a lot, we've touched on it, is NC State's defensive front. They're front seven, and Florida State will face it again next week when they face Clemson. NC State and Clemson are the best defensive fronts in the ACC, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean you cannot run against them. It just means you've got to be better and more creative in running against them. And I'll just reiterate my earlier point. I think getting Travis to the outside in, in rollouts and boots and waggles is what Florida State's going to have to do in order to open up the running lanes. And if they are not successful doing that or not willing to do that, it's going to be a long night at Carter-Finley. How does Florida State's struggles at the offensive tackle position hamper that goal of yours, Keith? Well, see, in my personal opinion, 
you're much more susceptible to poor tackle play when you're trying to throw the ball out of the pocket. When you move outside of the pocket, either rollouts, boots, or waggles, you, you minimize the deficiency, deficiency, that big word, that you have with your defense, with your offensive tackles. Because you're making those offensive linemen, you know, you're not requiring them or, or, or requiring them or making them have to block traditional defensive uh, end play. And, and, and you, you help them, in my opinion. I didn't say that very articulately. I apologize, but that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, and then defensively, I, I go back to the point I made earlier that, uh, you know, it, it's, they just get rid of the ball so quickly that if Florida State's leaving too much of a cushion there, there's easy pitch and catch completions. And, and uh, for the third down struggles, aside from the last drive last week when Wake converted a bunch of third and longs, they really point back to first and second down. And on first and second down, you can't be giving up. You can't get to third and one defensively Correct. because you're not you're not going to win that. So if no. the offense is getting five and six yards on first or second down, you're probably in a third and one, and, and that's what you can't have. You know, again, as we talked about against Wake, you've got to mix it up when you play bump and run, when you press versus when you're in zone. And what you try to do is make the quarterback think. And if you can make them think incorrectly once or twice or three times during the ball game, resulting in overthrows or potentially a pick, that needs to be your goal. You're not going to affect them 65 times because they get rid of the ball so quickly and they run the ball. But if you can affect them two times or three times or four times and then take advantage of how you've affected them, that is a recipe that can breed some success. Can I mention here, you know, we talked about the kicker, but the, the special teams have been very good. It's a very small sample size, but Trey Benson in two games has taken one to the house and one back to midfield. And Florida State hasn't had anybody do that in a while in terms of a kick returner. Very limited at bats and small sample size, but it looks like he's got a knack for doing that. You know, that's one of those things that you don't necessarily see in practice, because even though Florida State has gone live or full speed, in, in kickoff coverage and kickoff return the, during fall camp and the first part of the season, you really can't tell what's going to happen there till you get to game time. And some guys are just better at doing it during the game, and evidently Benson is one of them. Um, I know the media has given him credit for catching that ball out of bounds, and therefore Florida State had the ball at the 35. But I will simply say that the only negative I've got against Trey is when that ball is headed out of bounds, leave that daggum thing alone. I don't care what the rule says about catching it out of bounds. <laughs> leave, leave everything off the table and make it clear that the ball went out of bounds. I was a little worried when he did it in the moment, but he knew what he was doing as it turns out. But uh, so and maybe he used, maybe to be, he used to be congratulated for that, but don't do that no more. <laughs> maybe Florida State can get a special teams play, but uh, looking at it, it looks like NC State's kicker has a bunch of touchbacks this year. And when they see that tape, that's probably how they will handle uh, kicking to Benson, which is to say they won't kick to him uh, based on the last two weeks. All right. Uh, I think that's about it, Keith. I will uh, eat some barbecue for you this weekend. Uh, I, feel I appreciate like that's it. My, I appreciate that's it. I love, I do love Raleigh. I love Carter Finley Stadium. I hate it on Thursday nights, but during Saturdays at noon, Saturdays at 3 30, Saturdays at 7 30 or 8 o'clock, I have enjoyed my time in Raleigh. So you enjoy yours. All right. Sounds good, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have a post game show for you coming up on Sunday. Enjoy the game this weekend. Go Knowles as always. He's Keith. I'm Tom, and thanks for tuning in 
the front row Knowles. 